0: Welcome to the Skillet Valley Podcast, where we bring the best of the best to help you scale your business from one million to one trillion. Today we have a very special guest. Her name is Natalie Zerenske, the head of Marketing Communications and Horizon Z at IMI Electronic Engineering. Natalie, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much, Mike.
0: It's really a pleasure to have you on the show. And uh, yes, it was good that I was able to pronounce both the title and the name of the company yeah, in, in, the right. <laughs> in the right in the right. So it's a good way to start the show with, with the right foot. But let's get to know more about you. So I, th- I think that the audience will really enjoy to learn from you and your experience. And who is Natalie? And let us know a little bit more about uh, IMI, hydronic engineering as well,
1: please. Perfect. Okay. So uh, to put it very, very simply, what I do um, and I'm very passionate about is building brand communication strategies in the B2B world. So what I love about it is, is doing, um, you know, finding how you can make an emotional connection for customers uh, in a more B2B world and really defining the stories that brands are going to tell about themselves. And I've been working with the impronounceable IMI Hydronic Engineering, (laughs) for the last 10 years, although we haven't always been known as that, Um, and we are a £315 million business with about, uh, I think, almost 1,800 co-workers, collaborators across the world. We belong to a a wider group called IMI PLC, uh, of which we are kind of one of three divisions, and they have a a greater turnover of of £1.8 and what our division is, is is really all about is controlling the flow of water in heating and cooling systems within uh, buildings, right? So it's not yeah. it's not something that's super glamorous, but something that is is very important because, of course, uh, it goes all the way from making sure that there's water at the right time and the right place and enough of it to be able to meet the heating and cooling needs of a building. It makes sure that it's in the right quality as well because you don't want any air or dirt in there. And uh, finally, it's also able to dynamically adjust uh, according to to user needs. Um, So what we essentially do is optimize the the control of heating and cooling systems in buildings so that we can maximise um, the energy usage, shall we say, or the, the energy savings that you can get, the efficiencies that you can have in the system. But we also try to ensure uh, maximum user comfort indoors, right? So a, a comfortable indoor climate is what we call it. And when you think about uh, the fact that 40% of the world's energy goes into buildings, of which half then is also used in the heating and cooling system, the, the function that we provide becomes pretty important, right? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you know, yeah, exactly. So making sure that, that, that things are working in, a, in the most efficient possible way, but also ensuring the comfort. In addition to my day job, which is on the communication side, as you said, uh, I also look after a a project that we've just kicked off, which is called Horizon Z, which is very exciting. And looking at these new technologies, um, emerging ones, developing ones, how we can use them to achieve uh, our purpose as a company, which is smart comfort for everyone.
0: Love it. And um, and that's great that you are starting uh, Horizon Z because that's also a way of, uh, Rethinking the future of uh, of the industry and uh, being part of uh, of that future, and you just uh, explain it. Why is it important, right? <laughs> right, exactly. So that's, that's that's really 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 great. So. I, I believe that, uh, and we discussed this a lot on the show, uh, that free of the critical ingredients to scale even a large corporation as IMI and even your division that is north of 300 million pounds, as you said, and, and the overall group at 1.8 B uh, plus, it's, it's sometimes difficult to um, avoid, to lose focus. But at the same time, if you don't open up new avenues of growth, it might also be difficult to keep scaling yeah. so how, how how do we find a balance in terms of radical focus and when we are trying to to scale a very large um, corporation and, um, and and second question uh, how the pandemic crisis might be affecting those priorities uh, going forward
1: yeah so i think um, it's important uh, and certainly we see this as a business it's important to keep an eye on your current customers right, to make sure that you're serving them in the best possible way, um, doing all that you can. So the focus, I guess, also in the in the pandemic, really, is to make sure that we're, we're looking after their needs. So you mm-hmm. have the immediate priorities of the current business and current customers. What you really can't lose sight of and focus of is, okay, so what happens in the future? What happens next? What are the developments and trends that are going to uh, impact us as a business you know right. spent a lot of time thinking about this uh, you see it's not necessarily your your peers or players in your space who might come uh, and change the world that we live in but it could be uh, somebody who's playing a completely different other ball game so if you look at google and the work that they're doing with nest and home automation systems um, yep that that kind of thing comes and impacts your world more so than, I don't know, the latest valve or the latest pump perhaps that uh, one of our, our, our friends on the market might be producing. So you have to, mm-hmm. I think you're right. You have to have that balance, which is, we need to look at what we're doing now and make sure we're doing the best possible job to keep all the customers that we have now happy, but also look to the future and make sure that we have good resources, we um, have an interest in that and we're, we're taking care of doing that. Um, and I think that's one of the things that this business has actually tried to do during the pandemic, and, uh, where you know money is a little bit tight, Uh, people start to become a little bit agitated, should we spend or should we not, is try and and really say, okay, things that we have to do to keep the business going, the mission critical things, but also to look at what does the future hold and make sure that we're still investing in projects that are going to bring us forward.
0: Exactly. So I think that's something critical. Sometimes we discuss here on the show if we might go a little bit wider, or if we should go even more into radical focus and just go through one geography, one industry, one business line, few products. Uh, it's also this balance between investment in the short, mid and long term. And trade off is also a little bit uh, complex because if you change uh, the long term and the mid term, you need to adapt the short term. If the short term, it's a little bit chaotic and uncertain. You you don't have too much energy to align the mid and and the long term, and this is a, a dynamic exercise that we as leaders need to keep um, work keep working on, yeah. on it to to assure that um, uh, alignment. Yeah. cool and um, and maybe that's that's the question so for you that is that are very excited about thinking the long term and the future of of the industry how do you convince your your stakeholders to to keep aligned with this long term vision when we are in a, in a in a situation like the like the present one
1: uh, with great pain <laughs> I'm, I, I'm i'm lucky that we have we have stakeholders who truly believe in doing both Um, And who have willingly put aside kind of resources, both in terms of people and in terms of funding to be able to explore both at the same time. So we are almost knocking on an open door, but at the at the same time, uh, what we're doing now with Horizon Z is a little bit of an experiment, right, to see how does it work? How can it work for us as a business? How can we um, bring value to the table? So we are in a, a proof of concept, if you like, phase. Uh, a bit like startups have, um, I think. So we consider ourselves maybe a little startup in the business and uh, we're trying to (laughs) prove out that we can bring value and we can come up with with ideas or ways of thinking. In order to to convince the business, I think you have to really have strong data and a strong story that you can tell about what the future might look like. Right. So what is happening? What are others doing? Where are the market trends leading? How do we fit into that as a business? Where do we currently play? And what could it look like in the future? And where, where are the opportunities, essentially? And if you're able to paint that convincingly, um, and you have some good figures that can back it up, then that helps. And the other thing that we, we also pulled on um, the likes of yourself, right, is, is talking to other people who've done this kind of stuff before. Um, nothing speaks you know, more in terms of uh, experience that others have had and what it's brought for them. So that's been really critical to get um, your views, those of, of, of others to see how their, their teams have worked and thrived um, and what results they've been able to, to generate for their businesses.
0: So it's an amazing one. And we have discussed it also on the show several times the importance of peer learning yeah. and reaching out to other peers that have been there, yeah. done that before, and, uh, and exchanging experiences. And usually, those people are more than happy to share with you what I've, I've been doing. And, and especially what they've been doing in the wrong way and they would do it differently. So you cannot, you, you, you will not, not make the same mistakes that yeah. they have done. So so it's really a pleasure to to share it. And um, moving a little bit forward for, for world-class leadership. And I think this is pretty relevant for companies at your stage uh, of growth so large corporations that are on their way from one to 10B, uh, is really to change a bit their way of work. So there is an amazing book, which is a team of teams and thinking much more in a cross-functional way, having mm-hmm. small squads and working on, on different avenues of the business. I think that Horizon Z is yeah. uh, one of those uh, squads that is focused on, on building that tr- future yeah. and accomplishing your, your purpose. So um, how do you assure that you have the right people on on the right seats for war times and peace time?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I'm not sure that you know, right? I don't know that you always know that you have the right people. Um, So for example, if you look at um, the, the corona crisis, right? suddenly kind of very rational, thinking-minded people, intelligent people, were battling each other uh, in, the, in the supermarket aisles for toilet paper. Okay, so I found this incredible. You must have seen those kind of... Amazing massive, example. Right? I was
0: almost forgetting it. <laughs> yeah,
1: you, you see that, you see this Maslow's Pyramid of Needs, and at the bottom, you know, appears toilet paper somewhere, and you're like, how has this happened? Um, so I think... You know, these, these, these intelligent, rational people have suddenly turned into kind of monsters fighting for the toilet paper. <laughs> right um, so you don't know, because you you you. every crisis is different, right? And every crisis can impact people in different ways. And I think it's the emotional state also um, of people which can affect how they work um, and how they perform. So what I always think in, in my role as a leader is that I need to be in the best possible shape that I can be on my top form. Okay. It's not all the time. I can admit my weaknesses. Right. But I should try and, and look after myself as number one. Right. And then, I, and then I can look after my team. And if I, if I do that, and if I put the effort into doing that, I find that, you know, the team that you've chosen for their skills and their competencies and their characters can perform in any environment. Right. Cause I have to create that environment where they're at their best. Um, exactly. So that's how, yeah, that's how I view teams in in crises. And I think you can you can still have um, people if you create that environment where they thrive, who deliver the value um, that, that you've always expected from them.
0: Exactly, and I think the critical component for building high performing teams uh, is really trust. And uh, as yeah. you say, I think a good balance of having a positive attitude and um, a productive attitude about what happens. Um, but at the same time, accepting that what is happening is not normal and it's not easy to deal with. And I think that balance is, is the difficult one. So, yeah. when to admit to be vulnerable, as you said, yeah. but at the same time, to not be stuck uh, in the problem and to start moving our heads and our spirits and our minds to the solution uh, yeah. so we can build a solution all together. And, yeah. and another thing that I think. That What happens when teams are facing uh, difficult issues is that they isolate themselves, so each of the individuals try to solve the problem, thinking by themselves and thinking that maybe they are struggling, and they are all struggling trying to find a solution and sometimes it's maybe that they come together, they share their views, and they find some yeah. next steps Yeah. Uh, and i 'm not sure if you believe, but sometimes I think when, when happens uncertain, uncertainty is really, as you said, is remembering the purpose, the mission, and, and, and the values and the vision, but at the same time, focus on the small, easy, quick step, next step, so everyone can start feeling a sense of some control of some achievement so we start motivating the team uh, with with small steps and start celebrating small things when it seems that we are all living a, a nightmare that we don't yeah. know how it will end right
1: yeah. so how, how do you
0: do that in a in a remote environment and how do you keep this this kind of positive attitude
1: yeah i think i think you're super right about um, you know you save this kind of this openness and this this trust what I find really works is the kind of the conversations that you have with people. Mm-hmm. So having a lot more conversations, talking to them, understanding what's going on. Um, we do something which is uh, which I call kind of walking meetings, so walk and talk. So I might be on my phone walking around Geneva and there's somebody in my team on the other end of the phone, right, um, in their garden or if they're lucky enough to be able to walk around, also walking around. And instead of staring at a screen, which we already do far, far too much of every day, you just have a different kind of conversation. Right. So that encourages yeah, a different level of trust and openness um, uh, and getting to know people and what's going on, right? So I think that that's one of the things that's worked for us. Um communicating more often as well, because it's we have so many channels, but it's still easy to isolate yourself, right? If you if you don't want to look at the intranet or you don't wanna look at the messages, you just switch them off, right? Um and, and you can still feel isolated and not connected. So it's kind of trying to create that space um where where we do have a discussion and we bring people up to date what we tried to do which worked quite nicely for us was have non-work um, socializing time to also um, you know you might have a, a chat over lunch or uh, over the coffee machine right, right in, a, in a normal work environment so we did things like virtual coffee and cakes virtual bar time um, so virtual drinks or virtual lunches um, just to just to hang out and socialize and it wasn't about where is the status of this project but it was more about what's going on what have i seen today are we all worried do we all have to wear masks suddenly etc so that that's also worked for us in terms of communication
0: i love it and um, so how do you work on strengthening the culture in in a working from home uh, environment so as you say we don't have the privilege nowadays to just go through the office and have those spontaneous um, coffees. Uh, in a certain way, uh, also, um, you have different offices and you, you need to work with, um, with remote teams. So this yeah. is not new um, for you, as, uh, as I understand. Uh, but how, how do you keep reinforcing the values and the purpose and the vision in, in a remote uh, setup?
1: Yeah. I think uh, obviously, one of the things I'm passionate about, and that's you know where I come from, is is this whole communication piece, right? So everything that you put out there has to um, support the values or the purpose that you have and make it clear to everybody what what are they? What is it that we want to achieve as a business? Um, I think setting expectations as well. So mm-hmm. being very clear about uh, what you want uh, people to achieve and monitoring output, Um, in terms of achieved goals rather than how many hours did somebody spend doing something right Um, I think that that is very important that also shows that you trust your team um, to to work on things to deliver things it engages them more because they feel responsible they feel more motivated Um, so you know that performance measurement in terms of you know what are the goals that you, you you've set out to achieve and how far do you get there Um, but also what you uh, expect in terms of behavior, right? Because it's not just about, you know, did I get the job done? But it's how did I get the job done? Uh, Did I do it in a way that's conformed to the way that we as a business like to interact with each other, interact with our suppliers, our partners, um, collaborators, um, et cetera. And I think just to add to that as well, there is this, this necessity to create a culture of openness, where people can give feedback or they could even challenge leaders. Um, I, do, I, do, I, do I enjoy it? Probably not, but I, I, I try and be accepting of it that I don't always have the best ideas, right? I don't always know what we're supposed to do as a leader. And maybe somebody else has a better idea or they want to question or they don't even understand why we're doing something. Uh, and, and I have to accept also that challenge and, and say, okay, we could have a robust discussion here instead, and maybe somebody has got mm-hmm. a better idea than the one that I've put forward, uh, or they see it differently, or they consider something that I haven't thought about. I'm not the all-knowing, all-seeing, goodness knows what, right? Exactly. So, so I, yeah, I love that. I love the I try and encourage it and then i hate myself for it because my team love to challenge me <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's that's a good point at a certain moment as leaders we also need to have the courage to be unpopular and and to move forward with a certain oh. decision that might not be uh, you know very kind for everyone yep. on 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 the room and and this this is also our role and we need to be comfortable in both ways. So listening everybody, but at the same time committing with a decision and for leaders who are more collaborative, for instance, my case, sometimes it's a little bit complex to just say, okay, I've listened to everybody. I really appreciate everything that you have said and what I've listened to was this, this, and this and our decision anyway would be this. So thank you so much. And I really appreciate that if you disagree, and commit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and if I'm wrong <laughs> if I'm wrong we will change the trajectory right. that's my role as, as a member of the team to yes. make those kind of decisions yeah. and so and but, but this in, in theory it's very easy to explain in practice that's another <laughs> another story so and and maybe that that's part of, of the point especially in Uh, sometimes thinking about the long-term and the mid-term depending on the seniority of of your team might be a little bit more or less challenging because it is a little bit more abstract and it relates less with the day-to-day activities of your team and usually that's where I see a lot of leaders kind of struggling or getting frustrated because they don't feel that they can talk about the future with their teams. So, Part of your role today with Horizon Z, it's really to think about the future. So that's yes. that's part uh, of the role. So how do you kind of inspire them to think about the future, but in a in a in a, pra- in a practical, in a pragmatic uh, way?
1: uh well we that's, <laughs> all we talk about is the future right so um that that's our that's our mission is to talk about the future and we're not talking about kind of short term one to two years but we're talking about longer term so we have very clear rules um about ideas that we present we have to be kind of horizon three focused and if it isn't you know everyone goes eh, eh, this is not horizon three you allow people to do that and Um, so, so we, I don't think that we have a problem talking about the future. In fact, we probably talk about it too much and get too excited about everything that could possibly happen. Um, but I think it also depends on the personalities, right? Um, you have, you have some people who feel more comfortable, uh, and some people, you know, talking about what might happen, what the world might look like. Uh, new technologies and trends and those who feel more comfortable being on the day-to-day operational side. And I think you have to realize who is, you know, who is which type of personality um, and, and manage those those discussions in a, w- in a way that they also feel comfortable, right? Because if you take the personality who likes the day-to-day things and you only talk about the future, they're going to get fed up, right? And, and they're not going to bring the best to the table. So I think that's one thing. Um, and then I had another thought in mind, which is just escaped no me. Um, but it was about no, it's gone. It will come back at some point. No worries. Yeah, it
0: will come back. Yeah. And uh, something that is also interesting that you 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 talk about that uh, is really building that comi- that community that will build the future. So. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's it's a little bit arrogant to think that we will build that future by our own. So we need to do it all together with yeah. another stakeholders. This is not a new discussion. That um, for large corporates, um, the the right stakeholders to engage with uh, are ambassadors, uh, um, thought leaders from the space, but also scale ups, and um, so how do you think that you can engage with uh, with companies who, who are scaling uh, when you are in a very different business setup so as you know, we we host different leaders here on the show and sometimes we discuss how to move from one 10 million ARR to 100 million uh, in terms of revenues and, and like today we are discussing how do we scale from 1B to 10B or even to uh, 1 trillion, so yeah. which, which are very different um, stages of growth of a, of a corporation so but I, I believe that engaging with scallops it's also something uh, yeah. important on on the, that growth and usually if we ask any leader how do you grow a large corporation they would just tell us by a, two ways organically or via acquisition so uh, so it's 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 really important to so what are your view on on engaging with with scale-ups?
1: Oh, that's the golden question, isn't it? Um, <laughs> you know what? I think I, I I definitely believe. Yes, there is the organic part, but there's also if you if you want to do something truly innovative or truly disruptive, you need input from the outside, right? It's not necessarily going to come from within, and I think there are different ways of of getting that. You can of course acquire somebody, um, acquire a business, but you could also collaborate, right? So work on um, open innovation or work in partnership with somebody doing some research or um, even be a first customer of, of some of these new businesses with new ideas and see how you could use their, their technologies or, or their, whatever their services that they're offering. I don't think it needs to be, you know, it's either organic or acquisition. It's probably a mixture of, of both. And there's also the in-between which is partners.
0: That's, that's really amazing. I, I love it. And I think that we are moving on the way of also building that community and, and partnering yeah. with um, And I believe it's also good. And we should not support the term uh, acquisition, because in a certain point, especially for uh, high growth scale part of their uh, um, Of, of of their vision in a certain way, might be to be acquired for for a larger corporate uh, so they can even achieve their vision even quicker. So, which is something um, positive and not something uh, negative. And uh, even the founders of those ups might be very happy with with the exit plan. (laughs) And and some of them stay in the business uh, and keep growing uh, that business uh, as well. That's brilliant. Uh, Thanks, Natalie, and we, We came to the last question of the show, and uh, one of our favorites, which is, if you would have the opportunity to speak with your younger self, uh, what advice would you offer to yourself?
1: Oh, oh, very good question. (laughs) Uh, What would I offer as advice to my younger self? I'd say, learn how to express what it is that you would like, uh, what you want and what you need. Um, It's not something that I have, have learned yet. So uh, I think it would have been good if my younger self had learned it. But, you know, if you, if you can't communicate about what, what you would like to have or what your needs are or where you'd like to go, it's like it, it, you know, for you, in your personal life, but also work life, I don't think you can find people who are going to help you get there, right? Um, and, it's, and it's just like these partnerships that we talked about with scale-ups, right? If, if people aren't honest or aren't able to say what do they want from the partnership or the relationship, it's not going to work because you might go into it and find oh actually we have we have different ways of looking at things so i think it's learning how to express that being able to to put it on the table and not fear what might happen
0: exactly and i think that part of that collaboration is also to have a a translator or to be a translator understanding both sides of the equation and it helps to um, to just repeat what the other person is is saying sometimes to to make communication flow, which is one of your specialities. Natalie, it was really a pleasure to host you on the show. I really appreciate your time.
1: Thank you so much. It's been fabulous. Thank you for having me. hope it was okay.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. I'm sure the audience had a lot of fun as I had. And to you, thanks for being on that side. We keep bringing you the best of the best so you can keep flourishing uh, your business. So see you soon and keep scaling.